When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. So I would like to close my remarks with a quote by another well-respected woman, Ambassador Madeleine Albright, who said, it took me a, a long time to develop a voice, and now that I have it, I will not, I'm not going to be silent. And I think that we can say not only about Ukrainian women, but also about all Ukrainians. After we regained our voice, we regained our independence, we will not be silent and we will not be intimidated. That was Oksana Markarova, Ukraine's ambassador to the United States. I spoke with her on February the 7th, just weeks before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Ambassador Markarova's bravery and resolution are typical of what we've seen from Ukraine's women during these terrible days of war. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. During the current crisis, Oksana Margarova has been a voice for her country, holding news conferences and reporting on the ways Ukrainians are fighting back against overwhelming odds. I interviewed her during a conference on the Ukraine situation at the Georgetown Institute for Women, Peace and Security. Other speakers that day included Bill Taylor, the former United States ambassador to Ukraine. He said, there could be no better ambassador to the United States right now than Ambassador Oksana. Listen and learn why Oksana Markarova is one of Seneca's 100 women to hear. Welcome, Ambassador Markarova. Well, good morning to everyone from Washington, D.C. I'm, I'm honored to represent my country in Washington, D.C., in the United States. And I'm honored to work with exceptional people like you here uh, because we are doing this together. And right now, the situation is really on the first pages of all the newspapers and TV stations. But I would like to start with reminding everyone that this situation did not start today. In 2014, Ukraine has been attacked. Crimea has been illegally occupied or annexed, as Russia would say. Uh, and parts of Donetsk and Lugansk oblasts still remain occupied. Our people are being held in prison. Uh, the prosecution of uh, Ukrainian citizens, Crimean Tatars, Ukrainians, people of different nationalities is ongoing. We have 475 people that we know that are illegally imprisoned, and those lists we are submitting to everyone here and asking for any support in order to get our people back. So this is something, and in addition to this military attacks, as both of you rightfully said, for the past eight years, we are living in a situation when the hybrid attacks, disinformation, cyber, all type of attacks on uh, many reform governments and others have been ongoing. Uh, all of these have only one goal, undermine 
the transition of Ukraine into what we have decided we want to be, European democratic people, where not all Ukrainians actually participate in the wealth of the country and all Ukrainians decide how we want to live and who we want to be. Now, this is not something new for us. It didn't start even eight years ago. For the past couple of hundred uh, years, Ukraine has been struggling to regain its independence, territorial integrity, and to become independent country. And we had a very short time of that independence in the uh, in 1918, when together with many European countries, we were able to gain our independence, proclaim independence. In 2018, during only one year, we had our own currency, bank, uh, land code, labor code. Uh, in, in 1919, just recently, we have been celebrating 103 years of the unification of Central and Western Ukraine into one country. So we've had it and we were attacked and we were occupied by then uh, Soviet Union or uh, predecessors pre, pre of the Soviet Union. But regardless of how you call it, Russian Empire, Soviet Union, Russian Federation, we face the same threat over and over for only one reason. Because over and over, Ukrainians are making this civilizational choice that we want to be who we have always been. We want to be European. We want to be free and democratic. And this is one of the values which we share with uh, the United States. You know, here, I think, you know, this is one of the most visible common traits that we have with American people, that not only we love freedom, not only we have the respect and love for democracy, but we're also willing to fight for it. Now, right now in this situation, when we have uh, different calculations uh, depending on what difference do you count, what, what distance do you count from our border, uh, but we have definitely over 100,000 new additional troops and equipment. It can be 120 or 130, depending on uh, what distance from the border do you take of the Russian army uh, on our eastern border in the Crimea, which is occupied by Russia, illegally occupied, and in Belarus. And we have this uh, new, starting from the famous uh, article by Mr. Putin, the new level of informational also pressure on Ukraine. Uh, what are we doing in order to not panic, stay, resilient and stay strong and uh, make sure that we will not only uh, panic under this threat, but also will uh, remain independent and remain on our path to democracy and our Euro-Atlantic integration. Together with our partners, and you have heard from Ambassador Taylor, but I think we do have unprecedented level of support and unprecedented level of cooperation with pretty much all of our partners who value democracy, but with the United States especially. I mean, this year started with, uh, uh, not this year, last year, 2021, started with increased number of contacts and visits and, uh, uh, and President Zelensky visited President Biden on his uh, invitation, uh, only second European leader who was in the White House. And we not only signed the joint statement during the visit, but very quick after that, we renewed our strategic partnership charter. We have uh, uh, started our, our um, 
uh, Trade and Investment Commission. We are working on the energy dialogue. So the cooperation on all fronts is very active. Now, for the first time, we have signed uh, in last September the framework agreement on defense. And this is a solid basis for what you all see now, the increased cooperation in strengthening our defense capabilities now. And this is what we are focusing on. I mean, let me be very clear. Ukrainians are peaceful. Even though Crimea is Ukraine, even though Donetsk and Lugansk are illegally occupied, we do not plan any offensives. We prefer the diplomatic solution and we're working day and night, all diplomats, and I'm honored to be a small part of uh, this large diplomatic uh, uh, force that is working day and night in order to still use the diplomatic solution in order to restore peace in throughout Ukraine and regain our territories back. At the same time, right now in the face of this uh, threat, we are also working on three levels of deterrence, the political deterrence. And that's why, and I think that's where we, all the diplomatic team and President Zelensky have been very successful. Uh, Minister Kuleba just today uh, in his daily briefing that he gives to the press mentioned that every week we have high level visitors <clears throat> from all of our partners and friends of the highest level. Uh, tomorrow we will have President Macron in, uh, in Kiev. Today we have a number of foreign ministers and it happens on a daily basis now. So we are getting the word out, not only the words out, but we also are forming these new alliances many regional alliances in order to show that we stand together. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. The second part is very important, is the economic deterrence. And it's not only a comprehensive package of sanctions, which we are very happy how it's evolving. It's, we started at a place when Ukraine has been saying that we need more sanctions, that sanctions should be wider, that sanctions should be now because Putin already attacked Ukraine. Putin already is illegally uh, holding some of the territories. And now I think we are uh, in, in, a, in a place where we work together with our friends, not convincing our friends, but working together with our friends on what the sanctions could be. But very important part of that, again, as Ambassador Taylor already mentioned, is not only deterring Russia and sanctioning Russia, but also helping us to maintain stable at this threat. Because again, this hybrid aggression and this threat is not only to threaten us militarily, but also to pressure all our international uh, partners and also all investors and businesses away from Ukraine, which again should not happen. We will resist. We will successfully resist. And uh, as we used to say during the past eight years, even though we had war and our uh, very capable military has been defending us on the fronts, 95% of Ukraine is open for business. And actually, the more uh, compliant Western business we will have in Ukraine, the less is the possibility for anyone to attack Ukraine. So this, this has been a very important part of it. And of course, the third deterrence is defensive military capabilities. And you see now on a daily basis, new flights coming from the United States, from the recent package authorized by President Biden, 
in December. Uh, uh, he has taken this uh, uh, decision very quickly. It was very timely and very, very appreciated in Ukraine. So now we will have much stronger capabilities. Now, I would like to finish my, my, my remarks with saying that um, we would like to thank all of, the, all of our international partners, uh, to President Biden personally, uh, being a leader of not only uh, the support, big support group here in the United States, but also uh, reaching out to all the, uh, to all the de democratic countries of the world, essentially, and raising this issue that it's not only about Ukraine. It's not only to support us to preserve our independence in this century and uh, to allow Ukrainians to be who we want to be. It's also about whether you can actually make this choice to be a democratic country, to be an independent country, and not to be attacked right after that by the autocratic regime. So I, I think the implications of this uh, Russia crisis uh, that they're creating around the uh, Ukrainian border is much larger. Uh, and it's not only about peaceful and secure Ukraine, it's about peaceful and secure uh, Europe, but also ultimately it's also about whether the international law, a rule of law, international rule of law, uh, is still something that we all can rely on uh, in order to, uh, to, to know that every country actually can feel uh, secure within its borders. Now, it's very important that we are meeting today and we are discussing this issue with the angle of the civil society and especially women participating in it. When I was the Minister of Finance, uh, I'm very uh, proud that I was able with my team to implement the gender-oriented budgeting, which actually is very important and it generates, generates results. Uh, and I think women in Ukraine, but women uh, everywhere is such an important force that the more we participate uh, in uh, all, all levels of government, uh, business, but also in peace uh, regulations is, is, is very important and provides additional value, not only to women, but to every country where we participate more. So I would like to close my remarks with a quote by another well-respected uh, uh, woman, Ambassador Madeleine Albright, who said, it took me a, a long time to develop a voice. And now that I have it, I will not, I'm not going to be silent. And I think that we can say not only about Ukrainian women, but also about all Ukrainians. After we regained our voice, our, we gained our voice, our, we gained our independence, we will not be silent and we will not be intimidated. And thank you for all the support uh, in the United States, but also in Ukraine from everyone who are with us today in this very important fight. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Ambassador Makarova. And your voice has been a critical voice at this time. And I agree with Ambassador Taylor, who said that Ukraine could not possibly have a better ambassador in the United States uh, at this uh, critical moment. such courage. Here are three things I took from that inspiring conversation. First, it should be no surprise that Ukraine has been so fierce in its resistance to the invasion. As Ambassador Makarova tells us, Ukrainians spent a long time 
fighting for their independence, and they are determined to keep it. Second, as Americans, we should recognize the concepts Ukrainians hold dear. As the ambassador said, Ukrainians not only love freedom, they love and respect democracy too, and they are willing to stand up for it. Finally, the Ukraine crisis shows once again that equality is crucial for society. Women's participation, says Oksana Markarova, adds value to every economy and every country. Tune in next week to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day.